Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Tuesday, June the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Know the Enemy series continues, talking about the Dolphins' opponents in weeks two, three, as well as nine. We'll open up the Twitter mailbag and lay out my plan for Ryan Tannehill's preseason rep count, plus training camp dates have been announced, all of that and much, much more on the podcast. But first, I kindly invite all of you that have not done so already to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Give us a rating, give us a review once you have gone there. Follow me on Twitter, at LethalNFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the written report for Ryan Tannehill's projected August snap count up on there right now, LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite team. For those of you guys that are new, I am Travis Wingfield. been covering this team for quite some time for several fan sites, most recently with Perfectville. And of course, with you guys here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as LockedOnDolphins.com. So let's go ahead and kick this podcast off with first down, talking about the enemies and training camp dates. That's another Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins officially have their training camp dates announced for those that plan on attending. Rookies will report on July 18th, that is a Wednesday, and veterans will be there on July the 25th, also a Wednesday, one week later. And that means the first day of practice will be Thursday, July 26th at Nova Southeastern University. I don't know what's available to the public just yet, but I'm sure they'll have that stuff available for us here shortly. And when training camp kicks off, I actually personally will be in Southern California on vacation during that time. But I will be able to get you guys an updated podcast on Friday, recapping all of day one's action, all that stuff. I want to have updates for you guys on Twitter as well as LockedOnDolphins.com. And then, of course, coming back from that vacation, it's going to be full go every single day, full training camp reports, Twitter, LockedOnDolphins.com, the LockedOnDolphins podcast, every single thing you guys want to know about training camp. You can find it through us, through me, and the team of writers we have at LockedOnDolphins.com. And training camp now, as I record this podcast, is just one month away, which means the first preseason game is a little bit more than six weeks away. And so we're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill's preseason rep count in the next segment. And that's actually a question I got from the Twitter mailbag coming up later on the episode. And I'll go ahead and shout your name out when I get to that question on the Twitter mailbag. But thank you for asking it because it provided me an entire segment today. But first, let's go ahead and talk about a couple of the Dolphins opponents coming up early in September for them to try to get off to that hot start they're going to have to have to make this season relevant in terms of being alive in the playoff chase down the stretch in December and I guess in the back end of November as well. But the teams we're talking about today are the Dolphins matchups in week two, week three, and also week nine. And the reason for the double dip there is playing the Jets in week two as well as week nine. If you guys haven't heard the podcast or gone to the Know the Enemy series on LockedOnDolphins.com, that means you haven't seen the Tennessee Titans write up going into every player's snap counts, breaking down the new players coming into the team, their projected cornerstones, how they match up with the Dolphins, some of the tendencies they have. Is it a potential trap game for the particular team? Everything you guys want to know about these teams is in those pieces. And it's also going to help me get you guys more information once the season comes around 
updating you on the game previews and post-game recaps, talking about which players did what, all that stuff that we do in season here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And if you read that piece, you see that I'm confident in the game against the Titans. I think the Dolphins, a home opener, welcoming the Titans with a new coaching staff into the hot box in South Florida as Bobby McCain has coined Hard Rock Stadium. Going to be a tough place for them to play. So I have the Dolphins as home underdogs, which is also another great trend in the betting world, taking that game against Tennessee Titans. And then week two, they go on the road to the New York Jets. And I've been talking about the Jets and Bills a lot on Twitter, as well as the podcast lately, also on the AFC East preview episode from yesterday. And I mentioned, I think both of those teams are going four and 12, and I feel completely validated in saying so, because both those rosters are what everyone thinks the Dolphins roster is in terms of national media perception. And you can go through list by list, and go through position by position, you can see where those teams are weak, both in the Jets and the Bills. And the Jets are very weak in a lot of areas the Dolphins can attack. I don't think they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage the way they once did against the Dolphins and just kind of throwing Mike Pouncey around and having their way with him as he was not so much of a guy that can handle bigger body defensive linemen. But I think that we're going to be able to control the trenches in those games. But where I do worry in this contest is in the Jets' ability to do, mis- to do misdirection and some deception on offense, as well as their ability to run a couple different types of running formations that can give the Dolphins fits, primarily off the edge and possibly attacking Jordan Phillips with some inside zone running schemes. So this team wants to run the ball outside. They want to do play action. They want to play kind of a conservative, old-school style of football. And I can see that keeping these games close, despite what I feel is a big roster or a talent discrepancy between the Dolphins and Jets. But nonetheless, I think the Dolphins will take a tight game in Week 2 against the New York Jets. And then in Week 3, they come back home for one of the biggest advantages that there is in the NFL, the West Coast teams playing in the East Coast time slot, 10 a.m. body clocks. They just do not fare very well in these games. And particularly in the first half where the Dolphins have struggled. The West Coast teams always come out sluggish because they're waking up right around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning in terms of their body clock just to get themselves ready for breakfast and the team meeting, the team bus over to the stadium for the pregame and everything that goes into that. It's a tough challenge for the road team in those games, and the Raiders specifically have struggled with that for a long, long time. Also breaking a new coaching staff, their depth is absolutely nil, which means wearing the black jerseys on September, what is it, 27th in Miami. Not going to be a very pleasant task for the Raiders coming into there, and hopefully the Dolphins have their high-paced offense clicking at that point, and at 2-0 with John Gruden coming back, I just don't see the way they keep up. So in my opinion, they have a very, very good chance to start off 3-0, and you can read more about those matchups on LockedOnDolphins.com. Like I said, there's plenty of information for you guys on the site regarding both of those teams in these games up on LockedOnDolphins.com, but... We're going to get back into talking about the Miami Dolphins, of course, on the podcast here. In regards to Ryan Tannehill's projected snap count in the preseason coming up this August, we'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's at Wingfield NFL and at Locked On Fins. On the third segment of today's podcast, we are going to dive into the Twitter mailbag that I put out on Twitter this morning for you guys, and you responded very well once again, as you always do. And one of the questions that I got prompted me to do some research about what Ryan Tannehill's preseason workload will be. And I went back and looked at some recent ACL injuries over the course of the last couple of years in the NFL, and they really weren't all that prevalent up until this past season with Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. Before this last year, it was basically one torn ACL per year at the quarterback position. And I can just recall going back to when I was a kid, seeing every single year it seemed like there was a quarterback at least a big-time player and usually one quarterback every offseason that went down with an injury in training camp, and that happened to be our guy last year in Ryan Tannehill. 
But you go back to 2015 when Joe Flacco tore his ACL in December and he threw 16 passes that year in the 2016 preseason, 85th most of attempts among quarterbacks in the NFL that preseason. But he also tore it up in December compared to Tannehill's getting torn in August. And you go back to 2014, Sam Bradford tore his in the 2014 August, or training camp rather, from 2014. And he had also torn it in 2013. And then the 2014 was the retear like Ryan Tannehill did. But coming back in the 2014 preseason, he threw the ball 15 times, 74th most in the NFL. So these guys don't get a lot of reps, a lot of run in terms of the preseason. And I imagine the same thing will be true of Deshaun Watson. And I imagine the same thing will be true of Carson Wentz. They'll probably hold those guys back a little bit because they're younger players. I think there's less risk involved. And just based on what we've heard from Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gaze, they think that he is 100% ready to go. There's no restrictions. So for my plan for what Ryan Tannehill's preseason repetitions are going to look like is that it's not going to be any different from what you would do if there was no injury. If Ryan Tannehill was 100% full go, no restrictions, I'm going to give him a full preseason as if the injury didn't occur. So that's where I'm looking at for. And you can go back to 2016 when Ryan Tannehill threw 53 passes in three games, the first year with Adam Gaze as his coach. And it was a pretty solid, steady progression in terms of how he worked through those three games with snaps and passes thrown and how many series he stayed on the field. You'll recall week one against the New York Giants, that game was at the Meadowlands. Ryan Tannehill played two series, two three and outs, six snaps, get out of the game, get off the field, no harm, no foul. Game two comes back, plays three series, and went 18 snaps. The third drive was the one that they brought him out after, and that went into the second quarter with about 10.46 is when the touchdown pass came. And Ryan Tannehill in that game, they took him out after a very long touchdown drive in that one. So three series, 18 snaps there. Game three, he gets a full first half and a shitload of snaps as the Dolphins played a ton of snaps against the Atlanta Falcons. They had a turnover early on in the game on a tipped pass, so he was able to get more work that way. But 45 snaps on six series played all the way up until halftime. So you can see his body of work there. I can, just the way Adam Gaze, the kind of ego and confidence that he has in regards to knowing that his program and the way that he does things is always the right way and that he's not going to really give you much in terms of ambiguity on topics like this. He thinks Ryan Tannehill's fully ready to go. Ryan Tannehill thinks he's fully ready to go. They get that message from the doctors. Yes, we did hear that last year, but this time you have the surgically repaired knee opposed to the stem cell and the kind of backwards way of treating it. It's just, I don't see any way they deviate from what a normal plan would be. So expect Ryan Tannehill out there for week one of the preseason, week two and week three with a slow progression building, two series, three series, halftime, call it a day, call it a preseason. So that's what I expect for Tannehill. And that question came from a Twitter mailbag question, which we're going to get to next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. It is packed full, and you guys gave me some fantastic questions, basically writing the content of the episode for me. So big, big shout out to all you for doing that. We'll get to those questions next. Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked on Fins. Third and final and lengthiest segment of the podcast today. We're going to go ahead and open up the Twitter mailbag. Like I said, you guys gave me tons of questions. You know the drill by now. You write a question. I answer on the podcast, give you a Twitter handle, shout out here on the podcast, and we go from there. I record this podcast at 3 o'clock Pacific time, so 6 o'clock Eastern. If you asked a question after that, we'll answer it later in the week, but it's not going to be on this episode, so just be forewarned. Forewarned. All right, first question comes from Frankie. That's at Frank underscore Maza. Are we going to be excited about Devontae again? I'm not. I'm going to wait until we see it because like some players that have had up and down careers, Devontae never really has had a full season. And it's the same issue over and over again. The same nagging injuries, the lack of work ethic, the lack of dedication to his craft, and 
and just not really understanding it. Going after Chris Chambers on Twitter, it just tells me the guy doesn't get it, so I am not going to get excited about him until I see him go back to rebounding basketballs over defensive backs' heads. Next question comes from Michael Clark. That's at the the Mike L. Clark. Travis, many of us have high hopes for Gaze this season. What early tests or warning signs will show us he's learned from experience and is taking the next step as a head coach? I think this and player health will define the season for the Dolphins. Absolutely agree with that last point there. And I think the best thing we can see, Michael, is that he will actually play the best players from the start. And this is a problem for a lot of coaches across the league. So it's not just an Adam Gaze thing, but their self-scouting has been really bad. Byron Maxwell never should have played week one last year. Cordray Tankersley was a better player from day one. Kevin Dern, friend of the podcast, told us that so many times. We should have listened to Kevin and not played Byron Maxwell. And Kevin has a good theory about that, that he, Kiko Alonso, and some of these other guys kind of are pushed by an agenda from Mike Tannenbaum, who was the, the focal point in going ahead and acquiring these players, and thinks there might have been some push from the management to make certain players play through the coaching staff. I think that won't be the case this year. I think Chris Greer and Adam Gaze have a stranglehold on this football team and they're kind of taking the reins this year so getting the right players onto the field I'm talking about Jakeem Grant he better get so many snaps early on because you can see what kind of weapon he can be in the offense and there's no reason not to put him out there and play him early on something like Charles Harris getting reps I don't want to see a guy like Andre Branch bury Charles Harris so just play the right players that'll be my biggest sticking point for seeing him pass an early season test and faster starts. And that kind of goes coinciding there one and one together. Next question comes from Chris Ballard at the jeweler. That's a J E W E one E R. How would coach Wingfield address the team's penalty problem? Uh, th- yeah, that's a really tough question because I only played a little bit of football as a kid, but when my, when I was coming up and I'm going to sound like an old man here, if you jumped off sides, you ran. And so that was how we learned because of discipline that we didn't want to have to run extra laps. So it's something like that in practice. I imagine they have something like that going on. But then again, these practices are kind of softer. You don't want to wear your team out these days. So I, I would just punishment through more conditioning is kind of how I've always been taught to play the game the right way. Next question comes from DLP. That's at Slim305706. Will the Dolphins have a 1,000-yard rusher and wide receiver? And can Ryan Tannehill get over 4,000 passing yards? I think 100% yes on the 4,000 passing yards. And I do think Kenyon Drake, if he stays healthy, will hit 1,000 yards rushing. If he plays all 16 games, he'll get that. But not if he plays anything less than that, I don't think. As for the wide receiver, I would think Kenny Stills could do it. But I'm beginning to believe more and more that this offense is going to be so far spread out. I can see three guys having 800-plus yards being Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson. And maybe even Devontae Parker in there. So I think there's going to be a lot of passing yards to go around, just going to be spread very thin. So Kenny Stills is your best bet. I would say Jakeem Grant is the next best bet to hit 1,000 yards. Finn Sanity asked the next question. He is at just the facts 32. If Parker does not perform like the promising number one receiver they drafted him to be through week five or week six, does Miami try to trade him by the deadline? And if so, what do you think his value would be? Mid round pick, late round pick, or player for player swap? I don't think that he is a tradable asset because he is far more valuable to the Dolphins than anybody else right now. Nobody's going to look at the beginning of his career and say that that's a guy they want to double down on because obviously he has a big jump in salary next year, up to about $9 million. And then he goes to the sixth year when you can tag him for a huge chunk or you can pay him in free agency. And that's why I think the Dolphins with club control right now for this year and next year have the best value for him. So I think they're going to give him every opportunity to go ahead and seize a role as a boundary receiver, as a guy that can move the chains, maybe make an occasional play down the field. I just don't think he'll be traded at all this season. Next question comes from Angel Contreras. That's at A underscore Contreras 88. Which Dolphins player would be the best soccer player? 
I think you have to point to a receiver or running back in this exercise just because they have usually some of the best feet and they're some of the quickest guys. And I think Kenyon Drake, I mean, he could be a, an awesome striker, a guy playing in the middle of the field, standing at six foot tall and just heading everything in and running things down there. Uh, Jakeem Grant, I mean, do you want to defend him on the wing? As far as defense goes, maybe a defensive player playing center back for this team. How about Rashad Jones just being the enforcer back there knocking fools around? So I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake, number one, uh, Jakeem Grant for a dark horse, and then Rashad Jones as a defender. Next question comes sports from Sports Trooper at Troop Sports. How do you envision Miami's nickel package? Almost two-thirds of our snaps on D come on nickel. Does Kiko go out? Three safeties. Does Minka Fitzpatrick go inside? Bobby outside. Is McDonald a nickel linebacker with Raekwon? I think the nickel package is going to be pretty much what it was at the end of last year. You have Xavier Howard and Cordray Tankersley on the outside. Bobby McCain inside, and then you'll have Mika Fitzpatrick and Rashad Jones back at deep safety. But when they go to a dime package, that's when McDonald comes onto the field and plays some safety alongside there. So I think that it's just going to be the same personnel, but with McDonald as a third safety opposed to a starting safety. And you hope they run more down defense this year. It's one of the biggest problems they had last season. And our next question is the one that was answered in segment two from David Bolin at dbolin98, talking about Ryan Tannehill's preseason rep count. You can go back to the previous segment if you skipped ahead here and get that answer. Next question comes from Chad Wilson. That's at Chad Wilson 305 Will we ride and count on our defense or fly to the playoffs on the back of our offense? If you were to guess, does Burke get his de- defense more dominant or Gaze get his offense more dominant? Speed and creative schemes on both sides, no doubt. But which side will be more feared? I think that Adam Gaze, his vision for this team is built primarily on the offense. And defense, he's kind of just going based on what he feels will be the best case scenario. Now, I know Kevin Durham believes this defense could be really good this year. He's going to write a fantastic defensive preview for us up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But I'm just going with the head coach and what his mantra is and moving the football efficiently through the air. I think he finally has the pieces he want on he wants for this team and going forward with Ryan Tannehill, built this team around him. And I feel very confident about the offense. I'm going to say the offense will carry us into the postseason this year. Next question comes from Joshua Andrew, Mer- Andrew Mercer. That's at Joshua Mercer 26. Why does the NFL... Why doesn't the NFL consider Miami to have the best all-time team, considering we're the only one that's gone undefeated, season length or not? Just because of the way they only played, I think it was one or two winning teams that entire season, and it was an era where there wasn't the high-flying passing attack of like the 2007 New England Patriots or the 1985 Chicago Bears, who were just so dominant and blew out some big-time teams that year, even though they lost a game, and they dominated in the Super Bowl in a way that hasn't been seen very often. So that's probably why, but then again, who really cares about that perception because we've seen how wrong it can be so often. Next question is from John P. That's at NavGunnyNY. Who is going to win the kicking battle? And if we lose games by missed kicks, can I be angry at Darren Rizzi? I think so. I think that Adam Gaze has pretty much entrusted the special teams to Darren Rizzi. He's been a very good assistant for him, both in learning how to kind of handle in-game procedures, as well as getting the special teams playing very well every single year. But he did self-scout Jason Sanders himself. He loved Jason Sanders. So I think it's not even really a battle at this point. I think Sanders takes it home. And if he wins, if he misses some kicks and loses some games, absolutely. It's all Darren Rizzi. So 100% on that last part there. Next question is from hashtag polling gang gang at Pacific fin fan one. Your thoughts on the following uh, players, Francis Awusu, Vincent Taylor, Chase Allen, and Eric Smith. 
I like DeWoosu when he played at Stanford. I don't know much about him other than that. Vincent Taylor had a very good run stop percentage last year in limited downs, but small sample size theater there. Chase Allen is kind of lost in this defense, in my opinion, not really the athlete they need at the position. And Eric Smith played very well in the preseason, but getting her as a rookie in your first training camp, especially undrafted free agent, makes things very tough on you. So he has a long way to go, as do all of those guys outside. Well, I guess Owusu and Eric Smith do. Taylor and Chase Allen probably could make the team this season. Next question comes from Gata and, and believe it's at Lime Balls one. If there is one starter who will disappoint this season without injuries, who would you pick? Is it because of scheme, age, or simply overrated? I think the easy answer for me here would be Devontae Parker, but I'm going to go in a different direction. And I'm going to take Mike Kosicki just because I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get acclimated into the NFL. They're going to have a clear plan for him early on, and I think he'll have an opportunity to catch some touchdown passes in that way. But I just think he has a long way to go until he's ready to play all three aspects of the game. So I'll go with Mike Kosicki on that, and just because of his age and not being well acclimated just yet. All right, last question comes from Tyler Watson at the Tyler Watson. Small sample size, but where do you rank Raquan McMillan among league? linebackers man that's an incomplete grade right there for him I, I want to say highly because I just trust what the co- what the scouting staff has said about him throughout the course of the last two years you can see him on tape just how smart of a player he is and how good of a leader he is I I don't have an answer for that yet man I'll say middle of the pack right now just hoping that he lives up to that second round draft pick status and just the fact that he's such a well-spoken and likable guy And that will do it for the replies on here. I got one spam email. We're not going to answer that one. So we'll go ahead and move on and go ahead and wrap this podcast up. And again, if you guys want to help the podcast out, all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review once you're there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Again, LockedOnDolphins.com, the Know the Enemy series up there right now. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.